Phone Booth Fighting is live and on location from EBI8, Eddie Bravo Invitational 8th Edition at the Orpheum Theater in downtown Los Angeles. Myself, Richard Hunter, and that man, the two-time UFC heavyweight champion Frank Mir, are on location. Our road trip brought to you once again by the fine folks at Leal Optics, L-E-A-O Optics.com. Check them out for sunglasses, rash guards, and other apparel that suits your jujitsu lifestyle. Put in the promo code PHONEBOOTH15, that's PHONEBOOTH15, right now, and you will save 15% off your purchase just for Phone Booth Fighting listeners. Frank? How's it going? How are you? Texting the wife. Good. Okay. Tell her I said hello. She's meeting us here in a little bit, and uh, we're back here once again. This is becoming a regular thing for us. Yeah, EBI, it's exciting now. Orpheum Theater. Hopefully, eventually, we'll get VIP seats. We're getting there. We're getting well, at least there. this time we actually have uh, general admission. We're getting Last there. time we hit up in the uh, rafters. That's right. That's right. We do it. We hang with the common people, though. I mean, that's part of our MO. That's why we're beloved in the podcast world, Frank. We're the kind of guys that'll stand out by the car and talk to you after uh, we're, we're wrapped up and uh, uh, getting ready to take the drive back to Las Vegas. Let me introduce our very special co host uh, for this episode. This is Matt Slayer. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Great. Welcome now, to LA, guys. Thank you. No, I need uh, Matt is an LA uh, resident. I need to explain the uh, the particulars here. Uh, Matt participated in our fund anything campaign, and Frank he opted for the uh, package that allowed him to sit in on a podcast. And so that very special day uh, for him is today. It's like his own make a wish, except you're not ill. That I know of, right? Uh, maybe aware. a little, but mostly yeah. in the head. In the head, yes. Now, Frank, Matt has his own podcast, all right? Uh, I, and, and the podcast is called the 288 Podcast. It is indeed. Okay, you can find it where? On iTunes? iTunes, Sketcher, 288podcast.com, yeah. or all over the place. Yeah. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us. Yes, and let me just say, Frank, uh, this podcast, it's shocking. It's like, it's like a shock cast. Uh, it is uh, Matt's co-host is a porn star, one of the Burning Angel uh, ladies, right? Yeah, Miss Draven Star. She's a two-time AVN award winner. Yeah, yeah. See, that's that's where you got a leg up on me. I got a two-time UFC heavyweight champion, but you got a two-time different set of ground skills. <laughs> Definitely different set of ground skills. <laughs> how uh, how long you guys been doing the podcast? We've been broadcasting since May. Uh huh. So we're about twenty-seven episodes deep right now. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And uh, you guys do that here in L.A.? Yeah, we do this L.A. weekly every Thursday at noon. We drop new episodes. Okay, so once a week you're doing the, uh, doing the podcast. So everybody check this out. I'm already a subscriber, and uh, I've learned a lot listening to the uh, 288 podcast, and I thought I knew the world. Also joining us, oh, uh, you might, guys, you might want to move your cell phones away from the it's for some reason we get interference. Robert Drysdale is uh, here with us. Uh, hey, Robert. Hey, what's going on, guys? Good to Pleasure see you. to be here. Thanks uh, for having me. Absolutely, Robert Drysdale, jujitsu coach to the stars. Awesome. Uh, he has uh, cornered notables like Frank Mir, uh, like Forrest Griffin, like Randy. In fact, I think you got to be a UFC Hall of Famer to train with you. Isn't that like I'm the sorry? Pre- don't you have to be a UFC Hall of Famer to train with you? Isn't that like a weird prerequisite? No, or no? no, no, no. Oh, it's not. Much. Everyone's okay. welcome. Everyone's oh, good, welcome. good. Okay. We, we've pre- had a few of those at the gym, but now yeah. we're, we're pretty. Children yeah. and women friendly. Okay, very good, very awesome. good. Uh, check out uh, Robert Drysdale School right there in uh, Las Vegas. What's the actual website people would go to? Uh, DrysdaleBJJ.com. Yeah, very good. Well, we are now, Matt, you were here uh, at the last EBI. I was. So you're already a, a fan. and, and oh, uh, this is so exciting. It's insane. Like, I've never been into a submission-only tournament before. I've, I'm a big MMA fan, but uh-huh. you know, this is the first submission-only tournament I've ever been to, and I'm just like totally enthralled by it. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool the way they uh, any, uh, put it on. Grappling background? I mean, I wrestled a little bit in high school. Like, I'm a fan. I, I should train at some point, but just for the fuck of it. Do you at least, uh, I know a lot of people that not necessarily get on the mat, but YouTube's such a big thing now, and they still click in videos and able to watch different things going on. Is there a certain aspect that you like watching? I mean, are you a big fan of footlocks, chokes, takedowns? Uh? Takedowns, chokes, you know. I'm a big fan of the game all, all in all. And it's one of those things where, like, I keep telling myself I should go train just for the fuck of it. I mean, I never want to compete. But 
you know, real life keeps getting in the way and I'm lazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, where, where are you again? Are you I'm here. Oh, you're here in LA? Okay. All right, playing schools. Oh, no. California's turned out, become the mecca of jiu-jitsu. Hell he is. Totally is. Yeah. yeah. It used to be one of those things, like, you know, if you're a devout jiu-jitsu practitioner, you'd have to fly to Rio de Janeiro once in your life. Now it's fair to say it's California. Well, well I mean, if you think about it, I, I always tell people, like, when people want to tell me now they want to go to Brazil to go train them all, all the great instructors kind of come up here, guys, because yeah. do you want to charge, do you want to open a gym and... Brazil, yeah. or you want to open up a gym? California. Up, I mean, even you, now you, Europe's you, starting. You, you know what's funny? When there, I, you know? when I, 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 listeners may not know this, but I, I lived in Brazil for many years. And when I, when I, before I moved, when you taught a seminar in Brazil, no one would show up because people are just used to seeing good grapplers every day oh, at every yeah. gym. So it was like it wasn't a big deal. So the seminar scene was over here in the U.S. Right in California mainly. Yeah. Now if you teach a seminar in California, no one's going to show up because there's so many good guys yeah. everywhere. Last I had a seminar, a seminar in Brazil, and it was like. A, biggest seminar I've taught my entire life. It was close to 200 people. And that, was in, that would have been nearly impossible 10 years ago. But now it's the opposite. Now in Brazil, seminar scene is huge because there's so many practitioners and so few like qualified grapplers to instruct. Because oh, wow. most of them are over wow. here now. Yeah. yeah. It, it was like when I visited China and I thought there was going to be good Chinese food. And they were like, all the good Chinese cooks moved to Hong Kong because yeah. that's where the money is. <laughs> yeah. So that's where you get the yeah. uh, the best uh, Chinese food. Supply and demand. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, uh, uh, what, what, uh, what Matt was just talking about there, though, as far as, like, you know, being a fan, even though he doesn't train and, and sort of uh, coming to it through EBI, uh, Robert and I were just talking to Eddie Bravo himself right before you got here, Frank, about that very thing and the fact that, you know, EBI is on Fight Pass now and it's getting exposed to a lot of people that may not already train, but they're actually uh, being introduced to being a spectator of pure jiu-jitsu, which may be a path for some people to train, but at the very least, they're they're watching a more specialized skill than the hybrid that they're seeing in MMA, and they're liking it, obviously. You yeah, know? I think it leads to more uh, definitely memberships as far as pushing up uh, attendance in schools. It's like back in the day when, uh, uh, you know, Steven Seagal or Van Damme, you know, any of the, you know, blood sport came out. Yeah. I think everybody tried to, you know, runs into the gym and starts training, and I think uh, that's what the fights have really done. That's why the discussion we were having earlier about pushing grappling and jiu-jitsu up to the level it is the ufc has single-handedly really been probably the most pivotal aspect of it so i think you know trying to get people more into grappling the more the more popular tournaments get were also i like the fact that tournaments guys can make money at because if you got a guy like say a drysdale right highly level competitor jiu-jitsu keeping a guy like him in the jiu-jitsu world is nearly impossible because are you going to go fight i mean when you were fighting mundials what did you get paid Nothing. You, yeah, nothing, right? Nothing, yeah, so yeah. you come out of your own pocket to show up and train. Yeah, but so you get a guy like you, and you sit there and go, well, turn pro in MMA, and I'll give you five grand. And you can jump back yeah. and forth, but it's hard to be elite I, I, I will both. say one thing, though. The jiu-jitsu scene has grown enough to the point where I believe, and some people may disagree with me, or you'd have to look at it at the numbers, but on average, a jiu-jitsu black belt makes more money than a professional MMA fighter, on average. Because a jiu-jitsu black belt can open a school, can teach seminars, oh. can teach privates, and we all know this in the fight scene, a lot of MMA fighters, just because they're fighting profession does not make, that does not mean they're making any money. Most of them don't make, there are a few, maybe what, you tell me, Frank, no, 5% of the community, not even, you even you the You get the average broke. MMA fighter, uh. let's say he fights three times a year and makes 10 grand a fight. That's nothing. 30 grand a After year. taxes, I mean, Yeah, manager, taxes, trainers, a manager, you're trainers. You're broke. You got a guy that opens up a gym making 30, 40 grand a year. It's nothing. And you're not even counting doing seminars. Yeah. So I don't think that's a far-fetched statement yeah. at all. No, if you and, really and, think and, about it and break it down, you know? But it's changed. It's only possible because now grappling, like the one thing the UFC did, going back to what you were saying, is it introduced grappling to the West in the sense where it be, like wrestling has always been part of Western culture, but wrestling wasn't always viewed as fighting for a lot of people. No. It's different. Like well, boxing is viewed as fighting, came out. but wrestling was not viewed under that light. And then UFC introduced arm bars and chokes. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. They, they consider that It wasn't even fighting. considered masculine. If you got into a schoolyard fight in the 90s and, and you, you grabbed someone and took them down. It was gay. You were, yeah, it was <laughs> like, dude, what are you doing? You know, yeah. It was almost on the same level yeah. of throwing a kick. Yeah. You fought with your hands. You rock them, sock them, box yeah. robots. That's how men fight. That's and how Nowadays, fight, yeah. guys, you watch a YouTube video. Everybody, I'll watch people comment on it. Guys that never trained a day in life go, hey, nice double. You see him hit the arm bar? Yeah. And you know what I mean? It's like, wow, that guy. They became familiar with grappling. Yeah, yeah. and now yeah. it's considered, you know, like we it's, watch it's movies. Part, it's well, part of the, the, the I was the, just the, watching the, John the, Wick came on, right? Uh, 
Keanu Reeves movie. You got to watch it. It's pretty I, cool. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, well, I, the actions were pretty incredible, but if you watch the fight scenes, I mean, obviously, like, it's being ran perfectly. You're like, okay, if a guy had unlimited endurance and never made a mistake, but he's doing flying arm bars, sweeps, yeah. guard passes. Yeah. It's like, I'm watching, no, like, see, holy you, shit, it's in our you, movies. You remember yeah. Lord of the Rings? With guns. Golem, mm-hmm. putting on rear naked choke with hooks. Yeah, Lord of the right. Rings. Remember, it, yeah, yeah, man, it's, it's all over. So, 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 cool. so Robert's uh, point about the jujitsu black belt being more uh, uh, marketable because they do seminars and open schools and stuff. Uh, Matt, not unlike the porn industry, you know, it's the porn star who actually does the feature dancing gigs. Uh, that's sort of the seminar of the porn world, right? It is indeed. I. In- See what I did there, guys? That's a segue. That was a great transition. Great transition. That was yeah. a phenomenal yeah. transition. Yeah, it was a verbal transition. It was a verbal sweep. I mean, was. that was, was actually kind of the messed up part about the porn industry these days. A lot of girls are making much more money feature dancing than they are actually performing. Yeah. Now, when they sign contracts, it's, you know, like, I'm familiar. I mean, you know. You, you have friends. You've yeah. heard stories of well, friends. You live in Vegas. Come on. Have seen Pornhub, this man. pornography. But anyways, yeah. uh, like, uh, Vivid is like a, is still, is that st- that's still a huge company, right? Vivid is still a huge company. For the most part, though, they are booking celebrities for their teams. Who's the UFC of the porn industry? Brazzers. Okay, I was Brazzers. just going to say. I was just yeah. going to say. Yeah. Okay. So when Brazzers signs a girl to a contract, let's say they don't Jane Doe. Oh, really? Yeah. Signs a contract. Do they keep her from like... Outsourcing and you know, obviously doing like I mean, feature dancing. Do they like say no? You work for us. Well, Jane Doe, by the way, terrible name for a porn star. Terrible name. Yeah. Well, that is the more traditional model for the porn industry. For the most part, there aren't many contract girls anymore. It's not the nineties. Most girls are freelancers because they can make more money working for various companies. They're not one to sign a ninety thousand dollar a year contract. Well, they to can work, work out of their house what? now, right? I mean, what? you have the uh, webcam girls. That's really lucrative, isn't it? I mean, I've heard some numbers. I mean, you know, people talk out of their ass. I've never actually sat down and go, show me your IRS, you know, <laughs> show me your, uh, your income report, you know, your, your W-9s. Let me see right. what you're really making. I know but a webcam girl that's her specialty is at literally talking out of her ass. That's why she's very popular. <laughs> I might know that girl, too, actually. <clears throat> you were saying. I'm sorry. Well, and <laughs> the thing about it is, yeah, webcam can be very lucrative, but it is a 9 to 5. You. When you have a you know girl who is webcamming, she is going to be on for set hours. She's going to pull an eight-hour day, and she's going to masturbate for almost that whole time. <laughs> That's got to be rough. Exactly. <laughs> it, that hurts it is thinking about it. A horrible situation. Yeah, talk about I can't turning a good thing and make it towards too much. That's, that's, my, that's my limit. <laughs> like, I mean, everybody likes to masturbate. Anything beyond that, and I'm done, man. But you imagine like, if you were told you to masturbate like five, ten times a day, seven I, days I've a week. I've heard stories about people doing that. I don't believe that, man. Like, it's oh, hard. no. I mean, like, my co-host is walking right by us, and... I think she's on her way to masturbate now. Actually, Apparently was, she doesn't you know, want to talk yeah. right now. All right, well, that's all right. Yeah, now they got to go to the ladies' room yeah, and freshen up. Where were we? Yes, yeah, no, but porn stars and masturbation. <laughs> yeah, but it is you've hijacked the show. Sorry, <laughs> no, I've been known to do that. I've been known to do that. Okay, let's not talk about EBI anymore. Yeah, right? get about <laughs> what mission only in jiu-jitsu. Yeah, that's what he said. Far more interesting. But it is sort of interesting to talk about the. I mean, you know, and and Frank and I are experiencing this right now in sort of do-it-yourself world of podcasting and self-marketing and grassroots growth and things like that. I mean, there's there's a lot of that in the porn world. Oh, no, days. there totally is. I mean, you are your own brand in the porn world. Yeah. Like, your social media, your yeah. whatever outreach and fan interaction you have, that is your brand. Yeah. Because you have zero guaranteed work. Yeah. What did you do, Frank? Do you remember back in the days when you, like, first turned pro and you're getting your first endorsements and things like that? I mean, you've told those stories before about when you used to have to go around to the, the cable companies yeah. and help them understand pay-per-views to sell the pay-per-views right, and well, all that you kind know, of stuff. Basically, they're called call centers. And, I, and the UFC yeah. would have their fighters when I first started in 2001, 2002, 2003. I had to travel, you know, and we all rotated. The fighters had to rotate. Yeah. And you'd go with one of the uh, UFC, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, suits or whatever and um uh pr personnel and you would go into the call centers and basically sign autographs meet take pictures because you know you would want these girls to want to sell your product so basically you call in and you ask for a boxing fight the girls exchanging pleasantries with you if she's aware of what you're trying to sell maybe then she tries to push it and say hey by the way you know you realize that you know next week there's a ufc fight if you like you know, kickboxing or boxing or wrestling, you know, you know, say guys come in and order pro wrestling. Uh, they, yeah. they might be a prime suspect for somebody to try to push in. And those people had no clue, you know, back then. I mean, like I told you, there was no, uh, uh, when I started in 2001 and turned pro, 
it wasn't an opening line to pick up a girl to tell you're a professional fighter. Yeah. It wasn't like cool. You know what I mean? It was like you do what? It, it was if I in Brazil, it was so MMA and jiu jitsu were so looked down upon that if you're, you're a thug, it, basically, you're right? a thug. If if your girlfriend's fa- uh, parents like heard that you did jiu jitsu, she would try to con- they would try to convince the girl to break up with you. Oh yeah, wow. it's the last thing you want to do is to tell their parents to find out that you do jujitsu for a living and you fight for a living. It's like the most thuggish thing you could possibly yeah. do. It's changed yeah. now. Yeah, it's only changed by in the last six, seven years where now it's like it's cool and everybody it's like, you know, it's the rock star thing to, you know, buy a tap out shirt or whatever the case may be and try to pretend you're a fighter even if you've only taken like, you know, one jujitsu lesson your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of last night of one jujitsu lesson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was bad. Are it's, we talking uh, about porn again or? Uh, no. <laughs> we, we, we've been swapping back and forth a lot. That's okay. You said you never trained before, and then you tell it last yeah, night. It's, it's bad oh, enough no, that they look a lot the same a lot of times. <laughs> I was just talking about 203 last night with Punk's performance. Oh, let's talk do, about that. Have you seen it yet? No, I haven't had to watch it. Well, let me let me tell you what you what you didn't miss. All right. So it was it lasted two minutes. Um, it was. Basically, I heard that his rear naked choke defense was exactly what I called. Well, yeah, yeah, me was, too. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the, this the one area that I'm gonna and I'm looking for an area to give him some credit for. Okay, so he got immediately taken down. Gall got his back. There was an almost rear naked choke submission before the one that actually happened. So Gall got his uh, uh, forearm under the chin. Punk was able to push the arm just a little bit to get a little bit of the chin underneath. You know, he, he was able to kind of halfway fight it off for a second. And I'll at least say this. He probably could have just tapped to that one. I mean, because the outcome was gonna was kind of obvious. He took probably eight extra shots he didn't need to take over an extra 45 seconds before he was actually subbed by the choke. So, you know what? I mean, if I were him at that point, he had to know he was beat. And at least he didn't. At least he didn't want to uh, uh, do it until. Uh, sorry, that is like a bust. No, you're good. It's uh, he, he. I'll at least give him credit for the fact that he probably could have gotten out of there about 45 seconds sooner. And yeah, he held on a little. Bit. Yeah, he took a little bit of a bit, but I mean, it was a mauling. Any. But, but, but we we were talking about this on the on the on the drive here, and uh, yeah. Like I think maybe some of that 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 resilience what had to do with the fact that he was so confident because yeah. you have to be very confident. Like is sometimes your skill set is not where your confidence are. Is. No, I mean sometimes you your confidence is through the roof and your skill set is way down there. And I think he just wasn't aware of where he stood technically. Yeah. No, I, I think that in his head he was a lot because he's used to winning. Yeah, pro wrestling. Granted, it's pro wrestling. He not he not under fully understood the difference, and in his head maybe he really thought he could fight. So yeah, he, he's that. fighting on that rank and choke out of the, the, the you know his toughness out of his his whole intro was a WWE intro. He was standing at the cage, addressing the crowd like you know, trying to you know get that pop like he was walking into a you know WWE arena, and then he got immediately taken down and just mobbed on the ground. So Robert and I came up with an interesting theory about this on the way up, and you guys, uh, Matt, Frank, tell me what you think about this. And the idea was was this. That Robert was pointing out, he said, you know, maybe maybe the kind of the craziest thing about the whole scenario was he had to have that level of confidence. I mean, he had to go in and think that he was at least going to be able to be competitive over the two-year span or whatever, okay? But we wondered, in the WWE, he simulated night after night after night winning a title. I mean, he's been their world champion. He's yeah. been in there. He's been in a WWE ring with Brock Lesnar and and been competitive, you know, within the script. So, what if for however many years you've had that career, you've simulated night after night, I'm a 170-pound guy, but I nearly incapacitated the 270-pound beast. Does that start to affect your psyche a little bit? I believe so. And I well, I think two two things really happen one a lot of people don't know what they're getting into until they actually do it how many times have you seen the awakening in someone's eyes when they get on the mat for the very first oh, yeah. time a reality check yeah. Yeah, a reality, reality check when you yeah. watch something you're like well yeah. that doesn't look so hard right and then i can't tell you how many times i mean robert runs a squad more times than i have i roll with someone for the first time that's never rolled before, but they thought they were a tough guy. Yeah. And um, they realize that I'm not even going 20%. I'm kind of screwing around you know, with you know them. That rem- and they're completely helpless. And it's like that look in their face where it's like, oh, yeah, I, I could basically molest you at any moment. You, 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 know, you know, remember that video? And we remember Richard just talking about this video. Yeah. 
where the guy who does like that that chi like martial art where I touch you and you fall over, and he has all these students that Is believe. The one where he was on his knees with another guy. Well, no, 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 that one. They go, he goes, he signs a contract to fight this MMA fighter. Uh, I think it would have been ten thousand dollar contract. That's what I heard. I don't know how much it was for, but oh, he signs yeah, a contract. This one too. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. guy jabs him and he drops him. And you can see the look on his face is one of like oh, like shock. he can't total shock because. Yeah. The, what's interesting to me is not that he got he his butt his kicked. Story. His, exactly, he yeah. bought his own. That's what's interesting is that he but believed his own bullshit. All humans, we by nature we justify. You know, it's like, oh, it's okay if I have that. I worked out hard yesterday, or you know what, I can spend a little bit here. You know, we constantly are making, you know, movements, and you know, and uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for? But you know. Adjustments, you know, where you sit there, go, well, this is okay. You know, we're constantly, you know, able to monitor our own, you know, water temperature, basically. Yeah, like, well, yeah. that's acceptable. Yeah, okay, and we justify. It's, it's off sometimes. Yeah, but some yeah, people just yeah, over. Definitely. That's why I say when people tell me they do a fight, you're like, oh, well, he took a fight. I'm like, nah, that doesn't impress me. Yeah, I gotta be honest with you. Anybody will take a fight the one time. They don't know what it feels like yet. Do it two times, and now I'll be impressed. It's like jumping off the roof. Yeah. As a kid, I tried it one time. Yeah. Saw enough movies. I got one story house. <laughs> yeah. I'm on my roof. I jumped off. Yeah. I landed. Fucking twisted my ankle, knocked my wind out of me. Sat there groaning for about five minutes like a complete idiot. Yeah. Never did it again. Yeah. I was able to do it once because I didn't really know. It was the delusion factor allowed you to do it. Yeah, I just watched yeah, the movies. Yeah. I hyped you think myself you can do up. it? I yeah. thought I could do it. You did a CM Punk. I jump off. Yeah. I, parkour is not meant for me. I'm just yeah. not built for it. Right? Yeah. All of a sudden, I land. You know, I'm crying. I'm a kid. Like, what did I do? Ask me if I would jump off the roof again. Would you? Hell, fucking no. No. You know, I know now. It's like, yeah. oh, that hurt. You know. Well, and Matt, I'm guessing you probably hear this from your friends that know you work around the porn industry, like the guy who sees Ron Jeremy ejaculate on cue and goes, oh, I could do that. Can you get me a gig? I can I can do that, right? I think we've uh, had this discussion. That's impressive, actually. Really? No, no. Anybody, like, I think being a porn star is exactly, as a male, well, now you have drugs, you know. But it's especially, still like, then. It's still hard. No, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, man. I mean, look, everybody, the, the idea of banging a girl is like, oh, man, different porn stars, you know, looking their best, makeup up, you know, you know, completely waxed. Why not? I'm like, dude, do you realize you got a room full of 15 guys and you don't even fucking know who they are? And you got to get an erection on cue and then not only get an erection, I mean, you might get some help with Viagra with that. But you have to come you can't, on cue. You have to con- come on cue. That is, well, dude, that's impossible. That is so fucking well, there's I have no I'm idea. Like, dude, you said something that annoyed me. Now we got to start over. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. some tricks to get around to come on cue. What's really rough is when you're first starting out, unless you have a girlfriend who's bringing you into the industry, you may have to bang someone who's elderly, unattractive, just to get into your foot in the door. Um, oh, I, worked, I see. I worked at a convention. My buddy, Mr. P. A seminar was talking about the first scene he ever did was with a 63 year old woman, Damn and it. she asked him before they started, "Should I leave my teeth in?" No, you got to say so no. Is that, is that a test? Like, t- t- <laughs> Come on, testing him out. Like, what, you got to say no. You're you're an unproven <laughs> no commodity. Teeth, not no to the sex. Yeah. <laughs> you're an unproven commodity at that point. If you want to work in the industry, you need to prove yourself. So. You're going to prove yourself by working with people that you're not attracted to. What? And that's part of the reason that I never had any desire to be male talent. Was cause I may have made some poor choices with some of the people I've slept with in life, but I made those choices. <laughs> that's, uh, that gives a whole new definition to paying your dues, man. Ugh. Well, and then I've also heard, I think one time I watched like a, a TMC or something uh-huh. was on, and it was about the adult industry, and they had one guy on there that basically swore up and down that he was straight. Yeah. Had his girlfriend with him even on set. But he did male on male scenes because he said that well, you know, I get three or four hundred dollars for a guy girl scene, yeah. but I can make fifteen hundred with a dude scene, and I'm just like, that's, that's just not a big enough difference in pay. No. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, I'm really open minded. I'm trying to hear you right now, <laughs> but I got to be honest with you. It's like, hey, we're gonna stick a dick in your ass. We're, how much more am I gonna make? They're like, ah, well, a grand. I'm all. Yeah, man. Uh, so the, the great conversation, uh, <laughs> the great conversation and debate that always comes up, like at dinner tables and stuff like that, over porn industries up. So who, if you're being gay for pay, who is gayer, the guy who fucks you in the ass or the guy who takes it? The guy who takes it. Well, no, Both. no, the guy no. who knows gayer. You said or who's gayer? Who's gayer? Gayer. Oh, the guy taking it for sure. No, think about it. Because the man. guy who actually does the penetrating has to get it up and keep it up for another man. Yeah. The guy who takes it just has to sit there and suffer. Yeah, he can uh, just lay there and complain uh, and be like... Right, at the end of the day, really I'm going like to be the pitcher. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, that's, see, like, that means you're getting it up for another dude, though. <laughs> right? 
Fuck I got man. a good imagination. <laughs> so, uh, man. I don't know. Robert's like, like, the whole concept is just <laughs> unsettling my stuff. Excuse me. Like, so I think the moral of the story is that uh, Frank was accurate about his prediction on the CM Punk fight. Um, <laughs> and I'll tell you, Frank, because, you know, you uh, I don't know if you know this or not, because you've been traveling the last few days. But our last podcast, you made some headlines. The headline was Frank Mir is, quote, pissed off that CM Punk is uh, getting this shot. Remember our last oh, podcast? Yeah. yeah. I got a so, little upset. Yeah. So that made the uh, that made the news sites and all that kind of thing. But it was it was pretty much just you, as. You know, the other one that I mean, you guys would probably agree with me on this one. Yeah. Um, Sage Northcutt made more money than TJ Dillashaw in his last fight. Did you guys hear that one? That's ridiculous. Yeah, don't quote me on it because it was yeah. sort of third party, but that's still ridiculous. Yeah. I, no. I'm, I'm seeing more and more of that in the UFC, and it's kind of like, what's going on here, guys? Like, I think that I'll tell you what came out of last night, though, for Mickey Gall is uh, he called out uh, Sage Northcutt. Sage Northcutt's team responded, and basically the fight was made before the end of the broadcast. I think that makes a lot of sense because you got a couple of guys who were actually, I mean, basically uh, grown Can't on defend fight chokes. I, let me tell you something about this Mickey Gall, though. No, no, no. I, I'm saying uh, Sage Northcutt oh, oh, is also yeah, in the category yeah. of CM Punk as far as his rear naked choke Well, defense. yeah, but what I was going to say, say is Mickey Gall and Sage Northcutt were both uh, found on Fight Pass, sort of. I mean, they, yeah. that's how they've come to the UFC is they've been homegrown stars on Fight Pass. But I'll tell you something about, about Mickey Gall, and I just this was after we taped this last episode, all right? I, uh, I saw a video of him online just from last year, grappling Gordon Ryan. And and Ryan uh, Gordon tapped him after about seven and a half minutes, but it was competitive. Oh, wow. And that's when I realized Mickey Gall is a, is a brown belt and training with Jim Miller. And I'm oh, like, yeah, and Miller's a tough Yeah, man. and as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, this may be even worse than I thought as far as him matching up against CM Punk. But Rogan said last oh, then night. Oh, kill Sage Northcutt. No, Rogan said last night on the broadcast, he said this is very quite simply – this is what happens if you put a white belt against a brown belt. I mean, this is just what's going to happen, you know. Yeah. And it and it it did. So um, yeah, I and I, I think uh, I haven't seen anything official yet today, but uh, CM Punk was saying that he wanted to try to continue this. And uh, somebody had a quote from Dana White that basically said if he's probably not going to stay in the organization. So to paraphrase, so I think that's one and done yeah. for that. And I think I mean just in case anybody's listening now. I was basically just, the more Angelo and I started talking about the fact that CM Punk was in the UFC, I just felt that, you know, like, it'd be like the NFL. I don't care how great, if a gold medalist decathlete all of a sudden decides he wants to be a pro yeah. baseball player, yeah. they don't jump right into the major league no. baseball scene. They no, have to go first to the, like the, what they call the uh, instructional league, yeah. and then they can jump up to triple, you know what I mean? They worked their they, way through. I mean, Michael Jordan, process, yeah. you know what I mean, did not jump right into pro major league. He didn't get to go right to the major leagues. Yeah. He started out in the minor leagues. And but so I think like, MMA is, is a sport where ticket sales play such a huge role in defining no, who's going to fight. And that's more what than justifies why it happened. But, like, it's, but it's it's something should, like it, it, it shouldn't be that way, but that's the way it is. Like well, so more, you can't sit there one side and say... concerned with the, 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 the ticket sales than you are with the integrity of the sport. Yeah, but then point. when you sit there and go, are sports legitimate? We're, you know, we have integrity. We're, we're, they, they, so, lo- uh, they lose credibility when yeah, they do it's that. Like, then we, yeah, it's even, like, so is that worth the money that you made? How much money, more money did we really make by putting Sam I mean, I think... Practice fighters have been questioned that for a long time. Coaches have been questioned. The press questions that have been, I mean, even if they're silent about it, they do question it. I think even fans at this point are starting to question that because it's not looking good. So what did you, I, I mean, from a, I was going to ask you, Matt, just from a, you know, a, a, a fan standpoint, I mean, somebody that's not either like Frank actively fighting in UFC, coaching, you know, like Robert and all that. I mean, what did you think just from a fan's perspective, the buildup to it and then the actual payoff? I mean, it was a joke. Even Lesnar got one pro fight outside of the UFC before they brought him over, and he had an NCAA background. Right. I mean, it was just yeah. It was not a comparison with Lesnar and CM Punk. Yeah, and you know what? The, I did see a couple of uh, things on our Twitter, Frank, where people were pointing. You know, they were saying, "But Frank, if you're being critical of CM Punk, what was the difference between the huge Punk difference? And Lesnar? Huge. Legitimate amateur wrestling background, where a guy was a national champion." Yeah. yeah. In a combat sport. We've yeah. done that before. We've allowed guys like a James Tony, yeah. who was a world champion boxer. If Mayweather tomorrow decided he wanted to be in the UFC, he doesn't have to go fight anywhere else. Do I think he's going to have a learning curve? Yeah. But because he's already so established in some form of combat, 
he gets to jump in. CM Punk hasn't even done a jiu-jitsu tournament. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't even yeah. a point karate tournament, for the love of God. He's never done anything. So you can't go from being a stuntman, which essentially what he is is a professional wrestler, yeah. to jumping right into a fight league. And then not only that, but jumping into the most premier version of it. That's the problem where I don't think there's a correlation between Lesnar and, uh, and you're, like you said, Lesnar still took one MMA fight before he got into the UFC. So yeah. he was 1-0. and oh, He did something. He, had, he, didn't, he didn't pop his cherry in the UFC exactly. with no background. That just, to me, is odd. No other sport right now that you want to consider, the, you know, Major League Baseball, the NFL, Can you do that? basketball, yeah, you very, name it. Yeah. That would ne- think of any situation where that would occur. And, and uh, uh, the, the, the part that upsets me the most regarding that is how – in some way even insulting to other people who have killed themselves and dedicated yeah. their life to this sport because they don't get that opportunity. I know guys with 20-plus fights, they don't get a shot in the UFC, and they're 100 times more qualified in CM Punk, but because he's a pro wrestling superstar, he gets that bump. Now, I did you try know? to sell Robert on my Hunger Games concept on the way down. I don't know if you've heard this, Matt. I didn't. I said this. I said, you know what? If we were doing this every other month, it would be a terrible idea for the UFC, but with the, where the CM Punk thing is concerned... How about once a decade, we just we just try it. Once a decade, we pick a sacrificial lamb, uh, somebody with zero experience, and we just cast them to the the pay per view. What would you think? I mean, it would put asses in seats. I'm down. Okay, all right, you like that idea? I think uh, I think Frank and Robert are probably a little more purist, but the I, idea that well, I want to watch them lose. I don't want to watch them. Yeah. I'll tell you what, listen, I, I th- there was a part of me last night watching him that was pulling for him to at least have some kind of moral Put victory. Put on a fight. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't wanting him to be – there was a difference between, I think, being practical and realistic about what you expected and giving an accurate prediction versus what you hope for. I mean, geez, okay, well, I hope the guy is the night of his life. I hope he gets in there and all of a sudden he shows that he's made the most but out of two good, years. It's of good training. for the sport that – it happened the way it did. I agree. It's I agree good too. because it keeps it, it gives the whole world a reaction. Everyone who thought that you can just walk into UFC and do right, well yeah. because you're famous and you know muscular or whatever, it gives everyone a reality check. Okay, I said this to Robert too on the drive down. And by the way, Robert and I were uh, how did we we had a fun time, didn't we? On the it drive was, down, uh, it was an easy drive, man. Yeah. Rarely the drive from Vegas to California is that easy. You so mean, I had fun, Robert. I mean, we've we've met before a number of times, but but this is the first time we've ever spent any real quality time together, Robert. I feel like Frank kind of set us up on a blind date. You know what I mean? I, I, he, I, I thought that on the way here. Yeah, he was like, you know, Frank's doing that. You know what? I have a friend that you are gonna love. You guys <laughs> are gonna get along great. But we did. I. Yeah, I uh, yeah. Should yeah. I be sitting in between you two? Do you two want to be next to each other? That's no, okay. We're alone for the ride home tonight. No, after, Richard's uh, easy to hang out with Robert, too, as far as both same kind of brains. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, we, we had a great time. But, uh, uh, you know, we were talking about that. And, Matt, I'm sure you have these uh, friends as well. I, I was telling Robert that, you know, I get this call from friends who know, like, that I work in MMA and stuff like that. And um, it's always, it's usually like when Demetrius is fighting or so one of the smaller guys, right? And I'll get the call from my buddy, and he'll be like, Hey, uh, can you talk to my friend here over? We're watching the fights together, and he's like got the craziest idea. Will you talk to him? You know, so I put him on the phone, and some guy will be on their other end going, "Okay, dude. All right, I got a question. Okay, so we're, this little guy is fighting. Okay, if I okay, I'm like 190 pounds, but if I stop drinking beer for let's say six weeks, okay, and I was on you know I was on JV in freshman year, so I'm not. It's not that I don't have any athletic experience. Well, okay, you know. If I just stop, you know, drinking for six weeks, can I kick his ass? I can kick his ass, right? You know, like he, they're making those kind of crazy assumptions. And then you tell him the way that it's really going to be. I think seeing something last night, if, if it does one thing, it shows those guys yeah, what, yeah. what it would really be like. And he's a better athlete than most people that are going to try to, you know, oh, I could oh. beat Demetrius Johnson. And CM Punk had access to training that other people don't have. I mean, when he walked in the gym – Usually, when you walk in the gym and you're a novice and you don't, you're off the street. You're not getting the attention of the head instructor to sit there and walk through and yeah. watch you roll, watch right. you spar, and go, "Hey, this is what you need to fix. He, he, we need to work he was on training this." With Duke, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Duke's he had, one of the best in the business. Yeah, yeah so, Stan, you know, so he had access to some of the best training. So I mean, that's really the best scenario that anybody could hope for in that situation. You are already a decent athlete. You have the best access to the best training that you you know uh, comparable. You're yeah. not going to beat a guy, you know, without a fluke, anything can happen. I mean, I see people throw half-point shots, half-court, and sink it. 
But as far as say I'm going to establish a, a, a NBA career, it's not happening. So do you think Duke took him on be, to raise the profile of his gym, or just for the publicity, or for money? Like, why would Duke well, take think, him on? Well, well I think all those would, I, mean, think. I mean, he walked in my gym. I would have done the same. Like, I think most yeah. trainers would for all those reasons. Yeah, um, you would have trained them. But that doesn't mean you believe they're going to win. I think you have an idea. They won. I had a, a bodybuilder walk in the gym once, and he told me he wanted to fight. So I have you know, the boxing coach in my gym hold pads for him, and like 20 seconds in, I knew this guy was never going to fight MMA. Like 20 seconds in, I, yeah. I already knew this guy doesn't have a chance at winning. You know, it's crazy. There's still a group of people, and I have conversations when they see a bodybuilder. Yeah, they, they have think no that idea. He could kick ass. They I'm have like, yeah. no idea how easy. Are it would you serious? Be. No, like, there are like the, the Pujanovskis of the world who are athletes. They're well, Pujanovski's like, not a bodybuilder. I, I, I know, but yeah, like, he's a strength he's athlete. He's a big guy. My and point he still is, do he's it. a big dude, right? Stronger than shit. Exactly. But even that, like, a lot strength. of people confuse that with the strength is something very, very specific to Tiger Woods is strong. Yeah. In his own way, he's extremely powerful. Yeah, his so ball, it's ball, his, you, you know, exactly you 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 your, your 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 technique is tied into your athletic ability, and a lot of people think of they they relate size with strength, and they're not necessarily at least when it pertains to fighting, they're not necessarily the same thing. Mighty Mouse is a good example. Well, yeah. he's little, but <laughs> probably hit harder. If than, you're too muscular, you can't me. even you lose flexibility. I, I know bodybuilders who can't even like cross their arms because and they're slow. Their arms and get in the way. it's very anabolic in as far as uh, uh, your muscles draw a lot of energy so if you have a guy who's yeah. extremely muscular it's like a big engine yeah. yeah i mean that's why you don't see guys that are 255 shredded you know bodybuilders running marathons yeah because yeah. it's difficult to, it's very demanding you know, yeah it's like well in about 30 seconds your oxygen you know uh, percentage is going to plummet and you're going to be dying you know yeah. so it's, it's like trying to get a like a truck to race a ferrari like you just yeah, it's it, just it, you i mean they're very dedicated athletes and yeah. what they wanted to do but you got to realize just because you're the appearance of being big and huge and buff. It's like I understand the visual appeal, but I, I, I will get a step further. Like fr- from my experience in grappling, at least, I don't think size has that much to do with strength. I think a lot of it is how your nervous system is tied into the technique oh, yeah. you're applying. Some of the strongest guys I've ever rolled with were not big. Oh, they I were kind of skinny and like they're well, just seemingly strong. Weightlifters. Yeah. I mean, they're muscular. There's a couple of But they're not I mean, huge. No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I walked in the gym, you'd be like, oh, how much can you clean and jerk? They're like, oh, you know, yeah. you know 180 kilos. You're like, it, what? It's, it's how their nervous system is tied into their technique. And yeah. that, that is the determining factor right there. Well, and Matt, that's how it used to be in the porn world. Because <laughs> back before you had the enhancement drugs, there was like three dudes in porn. And the reason that you had the three is because those were the three that could perform all day, every Get day. Get it up. Keep it up. Right. Yeah. And, then, and then when the drugs came in, then you could worry about like physique and make sure it's like a good looking guy and stuff like that well, I but mean, i mean really they're still glorified props anyways yeah I mean, that's what yeah. i'm saying i think you're basically a prop right i mean as long as the penis is there like i don't think i've ever really even like noted like when people say they go i hate the expression that guy was making i'm like what guy you know what i mean like <laughs> oh there's a guy though you're right i'm just you <laughs> well, know the problem though with the porn edit is a lot of times just at the wrong moment depending on your timing they will smash cut to the dude's face you know yeah. it's like ah, sadly well and my statement to that is what man here wants, right now, if I could take a picture of your face while you're having an orgasm, yeah. who would not look like an idiot? Because, right. I mean, uh, I personally... <laughs> the last thing on your mind when you're what having you an orgasm. I look amazing you look. when yeah, I Yeah, then you're oh, the yeah. one amazing. of the few. Yeah. You know, you're the chosen one then. Because yeah. <laughs> most of us probably look really stupid. I had no idea because I never even thought about that. But I imagine I'd look like an idiot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're like, <laughs> yeah, probably not good. You'll be th- th- after this conversation. I realize I look dumb. So that's why, like, if I'm missionary, then I bury my face in the pillow, you know, or, yeah, you know, but, or but, if she's on top, I go for the breast, pull her in, you know. So yeah, I don't want, you know. But to be fair, it, we, you're you're crying at the time as well, so you kind of you don't want that scene. I mean, you're trying. After why are you in the bedroom with Frank? I, I, we're very close. We're very wow. uh, very close. Hey, speaking you're of you're much closer with your co-host than I am with mine. Well, Shit. speaking of your co-host Matt so I, I'm looking over at them is the other girl that's with your co-host is she the girl that was on that last episode yeah, of 288 so that is Sartre so sh- guys Charlotte over there was asked I made a note of this I was so struck <laughs> oh, by God. it uh, uh, Matt asked her what something along the lines of what her most extreme uh, scene had been and she had to think about it she narrowed it down to a few but she thought that it might have been a film, a feature film she did called Wreck My Trash Ass. Did you guys see that one? No, I missed oh, that one. I'm yeah. going to, though. I've actually never seen that one. I actually make it a point to not watch scenes that my friends are in. Oh. Oh, really? I mean, who really wants to watch their friends fuck? 
I really don't have that problem. I don't think I've ever have to worry about <laughs> grazing through uh, Pornhub and seeing Drysdale yeah, or Richard. No, it's not going to happen. You know, I'm like, hey, hold on. Is that? Oh, shit, wouldn't look, it's Robbie. Would, wouldn't, that be, wouldn't that, though, <laughs> be, on Pornhub. Wouldn't that be the greatest day of your life if it happened, though? <laughs> we'll put the brakes on real quick. Stop stealing porn. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, this so is what? a big thing. Okay, now, this is interesting. Let, uh, Matt, explain this, because right now, porn is in this situation of, like, you know how, like, on top is of... Is porn considered stealing? Oh, yes, completely. They completely violate people's intellectual property. They pirate scenes. It's like, you know how on top of the UFC, pi- they, they, how on top of pirating the UFC is? Like, I mean, they are on well, I mean, top of how it. How does porn up survive then copyright? Because they are owned by browsers. They're owned by the largest company within the industry so, so what we, they'll end up doing is at the point where you try to litigate them they'll offer to settle for pennies on the dollar for your scene but your scene has already been devalued yeah at that point like your self-esteem huh. it's everything's well, been devalued <laughs> <laughs> so they got a scam going basically i mean and that's actually what's kind of wrecking the porn industry at the moment yeah. that's why it went from being a multi-billion dollar year industry to right. Okay, so let me, let well, me yeah, draw. I, yeah. the, last time I was in an adult superstore, you know what I mean? Going to buy a DVD, you look at it, you know, I'm with the wife. I'm like, 60 bucks for 45 I'm like, well, why would I? I'm just going to go home and just watch it on the Internet, you know? And that scene is stolen when you see it on the Internet free of charge. Huh. Yeah. Didn't but know. But it, not unlike the music industry and what happened when, like, Napster and then later iTunes right. and all that came along, there's, 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 there's two sides. So there's certainly uh, uh, the, you know, the, the Internet and piracy and everything is turning the business upside down. But the other part, if it's anything like music, the music business missed the boat by con- at, right before it happened, continuing to charge, like, upwards of $20 for a CD when it didn't need to be that much. I mean, they needed to charge something, but they were also artificially inflating the cost. So they kind of failed to prepare for the onslaught. Do you think well, that happened in No, uh, it definitely adult? didn't porn as well. Um, but part of the problem is that the industry, yeah, mom-and-pop shops are completely overcharging for a DVD. Like $60 for a DVD, yeah. that is ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. But... On the flip side, paying nothing for it because browsers is going to someone upload the scene and give it away. Yeah, production studios cannot continue to produce so, when they make nothing. So, isn't the way to do it is just to kind of take it in house and be like, I'm gonna if I'm an enterprising porn star, I'm gonna produce all my own content, all my own website subscription base. Could I do it that way? You could, but the problem is not everyone has the inclination to do that. Not right. everyone has the technology to do that, or the skills to edit their own videos. Yeah, I do. See, nobody wants to see me screw, but I have the I'm ability. I'm sure someone does. I have the ability. Someone does. That, that is the rule of porn. It is the internet. I'm gonna have, I'm Someone's gonna, into it. I'm going to have one subscriber, and I'm going to be like, this is coming from inside my house. This is I, oh, this is my girlfriend being nice to oh, me. Oh, I mean, come on. Frank will probably download it just to be, you know, yeah, solidarity. I got to support, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Frank would, too. I'd be like, five minutes after I uploaded a scene, he'd call me, and he'd just be like, <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I mean, uh, you know what? No, go ahead. But that is the nature of the porn industry right now. That's why it's been on the decline. That's why the AVN show 2010 was in the sands, took up two floors of the convention center, versus last year that was in the hard rock that barely took up the joints. All right, Frank, I want to ask you a question about this because I can, I'm just going to throw this out there. I can get us into AVN to do like a podcast broadcast. Is that should we think about doing that for phone booth fighting? See. My heart says yes. <laughs> <laughs> my ass <laughs> from Mrs. Mirror is probably saying my brain's like danger, Will Ruff, danger. <laughs> it, it's not nearly as bad as she possibly thinks it is. I'll talk to her if you want. Yeah, yeah. well, Matt will have a word with her. I mean, I'm sure he can reason with her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down to try for you, Frank. No, I, that's a conversation that if someone else even has for me, I'll be in trouble. Okay, if, if like, Frank has go, I'll, I'll take his place in a heartbeat. There you go. <laughs> Drysdale can take my spot. There we yeah. go. It's done. vicariously through you. you got to <laughs> tell me stories. Very nice. Are there it's other? really not that exciting. It's really yeah. not. Yeah, uh, it's a little convention-y. Yeah, it's true. It's a little I, feels like. I had to next time I buy her a purse. Like, you, ha- you, you happy, honey? Yes, yes, it's great. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I had to know when. I'm like that kid yeah. that has to know when yeah. it's time. There's a time. Ask the, the parents. Timing is key. Bring in the nice report card, yeah. straight age. Like, by the way, can I borrow the car this weekend? Yeah. You, know, you got to know when to hit them you up. Should, you, know? you should give her the purse and be like, look inside that purse. You know what's in there? 
couple of passes to avian awards there you go yeah frank just tell you like hey i just need to go to the hard rock for something for a little bit i mean you're in town already <laughs> well There's she, social media she gets those like, google alerts anybody types my name in <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll she, put you a hoodie and a hat total yeah. though well she you know but the, the thing is like she's she likes the red carpet events and stuff like that they have a whole thing the night of the porn yeah, awards no, fuck yeah they do I've, I, been to, I've been i was at those porn awards back when it was still like a really you know big production show and the weird thing is at a distance it feels like you're at like the academy awards until you hear them give the award for like best double anal or something you know i mean at a distance with the production you're like man this this was quite a spectacle back in the day it's still quite a spectacle i mean i personally make it a point to never attend it oh yeah i get myself into trouble almost every year when i don't attend it i almost got married two years ago when i didn't attend the award show Oh, well, it sounds like you should go instead. It sounds like it's a safer place to be if you go to the, uh, the award show. Quite possibly, yeah. yeah. Are, there, are, who, are there other uh, big uh, porn star podcasts? Who else has? Uh, does anybody else have a, have a good a one? A couple of the girls do. Yeah? No. Any, nobody you recommend? No one I would particularly recommend at the moment. Begins I mean, and ends with 288? Uh, exactly. Okay. So you should check us out. The, the, the financial hit that the porn industry has taken. So let's say a, you know... A Tom Brady of the porn industry, whoever's the, you know, top stars, have they noticed a significant like? Is it like a twenty percent reduction of the, is like the, the the amount of money they get paid per film dropped in half? I mean, well, it's or is just, it the production companies that are taking the hit? The production companies are taking the hit. The girls are taking the hit. It's not so much that they're taking a hit on their rate so much as they're just getting less work because there are new girls that just stepped off a bus that will do a scene for three, four hundred dollars, where oh, yeah. an established girl will do a scene for a thousand. Hmm. So that's it, huh? I always thought they made more. Well, if yeah. you're doing five scenes a week, see, that's incredible to me. I mean, our society. I mean, we're we're, we're still very yeah, open minded. I mean, we're getting there more. You know, socially, you know, probably the most liberal we've been in. You know, in this country. <laughs> But I still feel that there's a stigma behind being a former porn star. You know what I mean? Certainly. Like, yes. You sit there and go, well, I mean, more, more, more for, for, job more for like, females I, than males. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially for women. For, yeah. Yeah, just, it's a it, double it standard. It is a sexist society at the end of the day. It is. No I mean, it is it. what it yeah. is. You know what I mean? Whether you like it or not, just I'm identifying it's like, you know, that's what we're looking at. Yeah. So to me, it's like for a woman to give up that aspect of her life for three or four, even a thousand dollars, like, but forever you're going to be immortalized somebody you know your kids' yeah. friends will be able to google you and, and make, find tease you tease you at school yes yeah. you know like this forever. is your mom and eight like, other males yeah, yeah. it's yeah. forever i, I like, have some friends in vegas that are talking about getting out of the industry because their kids are actually getting to the age where they're going to discover the internet a mutual friend of me and richard actually who's that but i mean it's I'm too late say on air but oh okay. we're mutual facebook friends oh okay but like, i mean it's like at that point i would be like why bother it's too late i mean yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you also age out of the industry, too. You're hoping they don't find you, I guess, through it? Or? Well, and see, now the, the, the problem with that, too, in the Internet age, and I actually tell this to the, girl, the girls at the ranches, is because we'll get girls out there that'll go, okay, well, I'm going to have my pictures on the actual brothel website, but I don't want to do the social media stuff because I don't want to be on YouTube because I have friends that look at YouTube. And I'm like, listen, it's either or. It's you're you're on the internet or you're not because if you're on the internet you're findable you know right. you don't have to be on that website find I mean in the old days and the old old days of porn you could fly porn careers under the radar because uh, it was still it was hard a, to find still yeah, a chance yeah, exactly. to be discovered yeah. but yeah it wasn't just at every, it went on everybody's phone I mean that was during the same era when people would tell you that they were a black belt and. You know, right. nowadays, I mean, and they you were 30. You can fact check today. Yeah, you I mean, could. guys yeah. used to tell you they had 200, you know, fights. Right. Nowadays, with the Internet, you can't do that. Well, not about, at all. How about this, guys? We're headed toward facial recognition technology. I mean, it's going to yeah. be at a point not too, not too long from now where I just take a you know, I don't have to ask you if you've ever done porn. I'll just take a picture of your face and run it through a filter, and it'll come up if you did. That's yeah. crazy. With that, with that ridiculous grimace on your face. Oh, no, it definitely is. I mean, that's why I know some part-time performers that live in outside of L.A., outside of Vegas, yeah. that only do one, two scenes a year. And I'm like, why? Why are you going to do one, two scenes a year? You're in. You're on the Internet. You might as well dive fully in. Why stick yeah. a toe in? Yeah, if you're going to go ahead and expose yourself to that, 
and take the consequences. Like to me, it's like one of those things. Was like once you're known as an adult star, the damage aspect of it, the negativity, is done. It exactly. ain't gonna get any worse. Exactly. So you might as well benefit as much as you can from it. It's like, well, if you're gonna do one scene, then do a thousand. If you're not gonna do a thousand, then don't do any. You know, like I fully agree. And most of those girls who are part-time performers respond with, "Well, I just enjoy it." Well, I don't agree with that. Like, it's cool that it's a hobby, but you're very much affecting your future on your hobby. It's not worth doing. It's you totally dive in. You know what's weird too about uh, and I just I heard a comedian uh, doing this bit not too long ago. I give him credit if I could remember. Competition's gonna start. Oh yes, yes. We'll wrap up here shortly. I uh, I heard a uh, somebody point out the fact that in this country. It's, you know, prostitution is illegal unless you film it and call it porn production. It's kind of an interesting When way I saw to an argument it, the other know? day on the yeah, internet, I've people were having it, and they were sitting there, and this one girl, there was like, well, she's not a prostitute, she's a porn star. I'm like, I, 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 hey, guys, it, it is the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, there are definitely differences. The differences. I knew he was going to say something. I was, yeah. just, waiting. <laughs> I was just waiting for it. Because I know that, that, that porn stars do make that distinction. Well, yeah. there's definitely a distinction because you know who you're working with. They're vetted. It's not just well, it's some safer. anonymous guy. Oh, it's, I'm not going to say it's not safe. It, it is it's, safer. It's, it's not identical, but a lot of the principles oh, the, are behind sex it. For like, sex for money. Sex yeah. for money. Well, yes. then they're on the same as a, a brothel. That's the, at the core of it. It's safer way. there, you know? Well, yeah, maybe dealing with like a... Uh, if you have a regular customer of your prostitute that but, only has one or two guys. Can, I don't know, in the brothel, can you can your girls just be like, no, I'm not working with this yes. guy? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. and porn stars get the same choice. I right. mean, but a streetwalker for the most part doesn't get the choice like, I'm not working with this guy I'm not going to perform with this guy yeah yeah so I, it probably it's like anything else it's probably just your your level of uh, of yeah. uh, marketability or uh, what have you right your contract girl versus your guy who has to get into the business with the 63 year old with no teeth right certainly I mean, he would have liked to have said no he can't well male talent gets no choice on who yeah. they work with last uh, last point here I got to ask you guys your thoughts on what happened with uh, the co-main event last night. Did you hear about what happened with Edmund yes, Tavernier? Oh yeah, I saw that. Ooh boy! All right, so uh, Travis Brown gets outpointed by uh, Fabrizio Verdum, loses a unanimous decision. I thought a legit, you know, three rounds to nothing uh, decision. That jumping sidekick to open up the bout. Oh, that was started, insane. The fight started and ended in the craziest manner possible. <laughs> First of all, it started with a jumping. Sidekick, like this looked like it was off a of Mortal Kombat, like a flying sidekick that connected I to saw Travis's it. I chin. Seen the highlights of that it. was insane, right? Absolutely insane. Okay, all right. So that happened, and then at the end was uh, the uh, the uh, dust up between uh, Fabrizio Verdum and uh, Travis's coach Edmund Tverdian. Edmund, it was at that point, Robert, where you know everybody shakes hands, good fight, whatever, you know. And and Edmund came over and was like vigorously yelling something very do, angrily. Do we know what he was saying? You, you, what he was saying? I've or? not heard what he. I've not heard anybody say what he was there? saying. Oh, there was definitely some beef there. Some I mean, history there, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I saw him push kick him. Yeah, yeah. There was the 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 push kick. So uh, so Fabricio actually made contact with uh, Tavertian, but. I don't know. That's one of those things that, uh, especially in the day and age of you know modern commercial acceptance of MMA, is going to be pretty seriously frowned. So, upon. who do you think gets banned over this? I don't know if it'll be a ban, but I'll I'll bet Fabricio is is fined. I mean, you're just going to be fined for that physical contact, and maybe there could be some sort of little, you know a suspension or something like that to go with it. But I also wonder what Edmund was saying because it. It was it was definitely an aggressive behavior. I mean, you know from coaching, Robert. I yeah. mean, you can't – there, there's there's not a whole lot of ways to defend when I come up and say, hey, nice fight your fighter had or whatever. You just start barking in my face about yeah, something, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that's not so, going yeah, to be my, my, my suspicion will be that there was definitely some history there. And, um, you know, like think – you know, you just finished a fight and you're just like your nervous system is still firing and – it would doesn't. One thing, if you you know, if you if you're at a restaurant, for you to push kick someone would take a lot. Yeah. But you, right after a fight, like seconds after a fight ended, it wouldn't take much to push kick someone who's insulting you. Yeah. I no, think the fact that he just finished fighting just puts his mindset in that. Remember, you're you're, you're screaming at a professional fighter who finished fighting seconds ago. Yeah. Probably not a good idea. I'm not surprised for for Bisu push kicked him at all. Yeah. It was. What What do you think, Matt? That was uh, that was pretty wild. No, it's definitely pretty rough. I'm curious to see how the UFC handles it. 
Yeah, I mean, any there's there's such a line drawn at physical contact that I think that's going to be a. Uh, what's up, Travis? Travis Nuwaza just uh, walked by. He's got his uh, Nuwaza apparel booth also. I, mean, I remember Paul Daly throwing that punch after the bell and you know, right. getting banned for life. So. That's right, when he fought Josh Koscheck. Yep. Yeah, punched him after the uh, after the bell. Uh, Frank, go to the bathroom. Where do you run off to? Sometimes Frank, w- Frank will did. go to the bathroom on you sometimes. And uh, he, uh, so he may have. He went uh, out the front door, so I think he's going oh, to get Mrs. Mir. Oh, probably Mrs. Mir and his daughter. Yeah, he's uh, traveling with uh, family this time around. He's got to escort him in. Uh, so well, this is my opportunity to convince her to let him go to AVN? Yeah, yeah. That would, uh, boy, that would be a very highly rated podcast. If well, you, Mike, you're up. I'm down. Okay, I like it, Matt. All right, we may have to have you back on to plead the case like a good, uh, like a good lawyer. As to uh, why Mrs. Mir should be okay with Frank going to the Porn Awards. maybe It'll we'll be harmless. It'll be fun. It'll be good for ratings. Hey, I want to ask you, Robert, about uh, your coaching stint again on uh, Ultimate Fighter. Robert is becoming like a cast regular on Ultimate Fighter. Season in and season out. You, The faces change, except there's always Robert Drysdale right yeah, there. They, you did, they refer to me as part of their staff now. Yeah, yeah. you did uh, Ioana and Jacek's team last season, right? Correct. And now this season you're doing Joe Benavides's team. Correct. Yeah. 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 How was uh, It's a lot of fun. Um yeah. I like it's convenient, you know, a lot of these people they have to travel to be part of the Ultimate Fighter either as a fighter or as a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I live in Vegas. You know, they film it about 15 minutes away from my yeah. house. Uh it's in the afternoon most of the time, so you know, I can I can always ma- it's it's the one time of the day I'm free and I yeah. can I can make the, my, myself available. Uh I, I have fun, man. You get to meet a lot of people. I made friends back in season eight when Frank was uh um coaching against Noguera. Yeah. And some of these guys still come to my gym. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah That's awesome. So like I I've built relationships that have been that have lasted a long time and it's it's fun. Like it's one of the reasons I like fighting so much is sense of community that it builds. Yeah. You know, yeah. make a lot of good friends and people that a lot of, have a lot in common with you. Plus, you get a lot of free gear, so that's fun. Have you seen this season yet of the Ultimate Fighter, Matt? I have not, unfortunately. It's interesting. It's there. What two see two episodes in, but it's very unique this time around because it's a flyweight. Uh, it's a tournament of champions. It's all the flyweight champions from all the other organizations. It's bracketed, and, right? Right. They they seeded the competitors, and then the winner's going to get the title shot against uh, Demetrius Johnson. Now, what's curious about this, though, is that unlike previous seasons where you you don't know who's going to win the finals until the actual night of the live finals, this whole thing has been taped. So, in theory, there's a guy right now who has won the show who will have from now until December notice that he's going to be fighting Demetrius Johnson. So that guy knows who he is. Do you think that secret stays kept, Robert, or do you think Demetrius uh, Johnson you know finds what? out when who you, he's when fighting? You, when you sign the Ultimate Fighter contract, they, they make a big deal out of letting you know that they will destroy your life if you open your mouth. Okay. Wow. So I, I know who the, the finalist is. Yeah. But, you know, I can't. Like, it, it would cause me a lot of problems to say yeah. something. and. You said uh, off They're very protective. Yeah. <laughs> they're very, very protective of that sort of information. Because you have to make, you have to create the drama, right? Right. Like part of the ultimate fighter is, I mean, as, as a fighter, I appreciate the skills. But for a lot of people, it's the, the soap opera aspect of it, the drama, yeah. the, you know, the, the excitement, the thrill that it creates. Who's going to be the next champion? Who's going to win this fight? And, um, yeah, obviously they want to keep that information in secret. Yeah, I uh, mean, but do you think that, um, do you think that, uh, uh, for example, do you think Demetrius would eventually find out? Because that's that's who's really got a vested interest. Oh, he in knows. Knowing. I think he knows. Yeah, you think it got I back think, to I him think somehow. Demetrius because ha- he has to prepare too. It's well, only fair on the yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, they, they certainly time to prepare and yeah, have an idea what's coming. Yeah, because it's not like it's uh, an exhibition fight like the typical no, uh, finale. This the, is yeah, for it's the a title. Very interesting getting the guy straight out of the Ultimate Fighter. Normally they're green straight out of the Ultimate yeah. Fighter, but in this case yeah. it's different because they're all champions. Yeah, even though they're smaller promotions in the UFC, still you have to keep in mind that most of those guys. Probably have twenty plus fights. That's a lot of experience. I, I and I know you can't give away what's what's happened on upcoming episodes, but just in a general sense, do you think the fact that these were all proven champions did it did it have an overall feel that was different than the other seasons you've worked on? Just yes, yes, because uh, in other other seasons there were minority, but there were people who I think were on the show based off of their persona, their yeah, character, right, and right. how witty they were, and how funny, and their hairstyle, and you know, and. Not necessarily the skill level was there for you know, that would warrant them being right. in the UFC. Whereas this time, I felt that everyone was pretty much UFC caliber. Maybe you know, maybe a 
couple guys who weren't there technically, but for the most part, everyone belonged in the UFC. So what you're saying is my opportunity would not have been this season. The no. the trying to be the quirky character that's that's maybe that's some yeah it's some yeah. Uh, any other season I think that that guy makes you know cause I find I tried out for the Ultimate Fighter once oh yeah as a, as a middleweight yeah mm-hmm. and um, now in hindsight I know what I did wrong in the interview was that they I went, I'm talking about hard work and discipline and uh, really wanting to win and there were a lot of trick questions there and they were really trying to find out how outspoken and disrespectful and how loud I would be yeah and I thought no I'm not like that at all and now in hindsight I know that that's exactly what they were looking for they, yeah. they were, are you going to disrespect people yeah are you going to scream at them will yeah. you be loud will you be are you going to break something in the house uh-huh these are that that's that's what makes it exciting like they, good uh, reality tv it, it, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why they put alcohol in the house oh yes yeah I mean that's not a coincidence I'm also it also looks like they they basically turn the ac off so everybody will walk around shirtless <laughs> I think there's a lot of that that goes on too Matt, what? Um, tell us uh, uh, what's uh, coming up on your your two eighty eight uh, podcast. Like, uh, uh, what do you guys? You do it once a week. So, do you ever go out live? You ever do these things live where people can come? We watch? haven't done any live shows yet. We're talking about doing it in the future. Uh-huh. We've gone to the last two Exotica conventions, yeah, which are adult entertainment conventions. We did Chicago and Columbus, Ohio. Okay, we ended up broadcasting from our hotel room with various you know celebrity stars and stuff. It's a good way to lure a porn star into your hotel room. We're doing well. A that's what Draven's there for. Draven's yeah. there to lure porn stars into the hotel room. Okay, no one's going to go with me. Yeah, no, I would. Rec- yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, so you're doing that, and then uh, now how do you how do you uh, how do you book? Is it always a porn star guest? No, not at all. We've mixed that up. We've had musicians. We had uh, Dan Kenny, the bassist from Suicide Silence, on. Uh-huh. We've had some photographers. We had a uh, author Robert Dean on talking about his new western. I mean, pretty much anyone who's willing to have a conversation that you would normally have at the end of the bar yes. after having a couple drinks. That's who we want on the show. All right. Well, that's more or less how this podcast got started. You know, Frank and I would just sit out on his uh, back porch. Robert's uh, sat out on that back porch and tried to solve the problems of the world. And eventually I just said, you know, Frank, we should turn a recorder on and uh, upload this conversation. Well, and that's why I was super excited to do this. I mean, besides being fans of your guys' show yeah. and Frank, you know, I felt like this would be a good fit for me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm 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 glad you did it. And uh, now, how does everybody? Are you guys are on social media and stuff like that? Yeah, I assume, uh, at two eighty eight podcast for Instagram, Twitter, at two eighty eight podcast dot com. We're on Skitcher, iTunes, Google Play. Okay, anywhere you get podcasts, you can find us. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Uh, all right. Well, let's. Is Frank still out? Frank must still be out in line trying to retrieve uh, the Mirror Family. Frank's. Like so many of us, when our uh, I know this happens to you on a regular basis, Robert, when your worlds of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and girls softball collide, I think it's happened to all of us. Uh, it's actually happened to none of us except for Frank, and it happens to Frank on a regular basis. His, I don't know if you know the story from listening, Matt, but his, his daughter is like this super elite-level uh, softball player, and so she plays on this team that... I mean, it's like a pro team. I mean, they travel different states and different tournaments. And that's got to be crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's uh, that's uh, actually part of what uh, what they're out here doing. So he will. Uh, She's just extremely right athletic. She's just one of those people that could do anything and be good at it. Yeah, yeah, She's for sure. That. So we're about to duck in here for the uh, the EBI tournament, and uh, I'm looking at the bracket here. Uh, the one of the one of the first matches. Um, uh, one of the first matches, Robert, features uh, Matt Secor against Eduardo Tellis, and Eduardo Tellis is the turtle guard guy that you and I were uh, were talking about. This is a guy who's going to intentionally give up his back, basically, right? He, he's the guy that made me rethink. I think a lot made a lot of people rethink their interpretation of jiu-jitsu and like putting things into categories of right and wrong. Because if you ask most jiu-jitsu coaches what's right and wrong in jiu-jitsu, most of them will tell them, well, giving the back is wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, train with Telly's and try to get to his back and see what happens. Yeah, I've seen him put away. I'm not going to drop names here, but I've trained with Telly's for years in Brazil. And Telly's would put away some of, at the time, of the most accomplished grapplers in the world. He'd be putting them away in practice left and right, just making them look really, really bad. And it's just because he has a really, really unorthodox game where he does everything you're not supposed to do, mainly giving the back and killing people while at it. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I don't know if anybody has thought to do this with him or not, but uh, somebody should market a Eduardo Tellis rash guard where the whole back of the rash guard is just a tortoise shell. 
You know what I actually saw yeah. recently was a Ninja Turtles rash guard that had your belt color as yeah, their belt. Yeah, I saw ah, that. That's, cool. that, that's that, smart. That, that's, that's a turtle, turtle rash guard. Yeah. I might have to look into that. We actually got some requests for phone booth fighting rash guards. But, so but besides that, Delis is one of the most experienced, probably arguably the most experienced grappler on the whole card. I'm not familiar with all names, but... Uh, you know, he's up there, man. Like, he's yeah. got a very unorthodox game. He'll throw people off. Um, you know, I think Telly's approaching his 40s now, I guess, yeah. late 30s. Um, but he's an animal, man. Like, he, he, he's got he, he's got one of those games that he can surprise anyone at any given moment. So I think he, he's definitely one of the favorites. Uh, Gordon Ryan is uh, in one of the first matches as well, taking on Matt Arroyo. He's one-third of the John Danaher leg-locking uh, death squad. He's also the absolute champion. Frank and I saw, I saw Gordon Ryan crown the absolute champion at the last EBI, EBI 7. Uh, also, one of your guys, uh, Robert, a guy that I know you trained with, and uh, Frank, you were saying you think is the dark horse of the, the tournament here, is uh, Kyle Griffin, right? Yeah, what Kyle's do we know about Kyle? Well-rounded, uh, great at takedowns, very good at the no-gi aspect of uh, jiu-jitsu. Just doesn't really put a gi on so he doesn't get promoted up, but he's had matches with black belts and dominates. Mm. And he's, he's been, he's, you've trained him, right? Yeah, he's, he's your been place. training yeah. the gym yeah. for like about five years now, yeah. and uh, he's one of the most talented guys I've ever rolled with. When I say one of the most talented, I don't say this lightly. He is top three and one of the most talented individuals I've ever met. Very physically gifted. He's got a D1 wrestling background. Uh, gives him a very solid top game, but he's extremely dangerous and uh, overall. Yeah. Um, I, I look. I know he fought Gordon Ryan once uh, at the ADCC trials, and uh, he was winning the whole time. He was yeah. actually beating Gordon until the very end. I think Gordon turned the match on him like with seconds left, or overtime might have been. I can't remember now, but he was winning the whole time. Um, he's up there, man. He could put anyone away. I've seen. I'm not going to mention names, but. I've seen ADCC champions. I've seen UFC champions. I've seen IBJJF World champions walk in the gym and get tapped by Kyle Griffin. So he's legit. Well, we're going to head in and enjoy the tournament. You can, of course, stream this uh, on Fight Pass if you didn't see it live. EBA 8 live from the Orpheum Theater. And we thank the great Eddie Bravo for uh, inviting us along and having us out uh, once again. Always a fun time. Uh, all right, uh, Matt, it is the 288 podcast, and it can be found wherever podcasts are sold. Wherever podcasts are found. September 23rd through the 25th. We're going to be at the LA Podfest rolling around. We're not performing, but we will be there. Meet, greet us. Come say hey. All right. Very good. And, Frank, uh, you know how we conclude the show. Yeah, you ready for this, Matt? You know what happens. Oh, I know what happens. All right. Everybody stand I'll back. That's a distract, Frank. Everybody stand back. Uh, Frank, tell everybody how they can find, can find and follow. Us on Phone Booth Fighting on Facebook and Instagram and then on Twitter uh, face fight book or shit. Now I'm running around, man. Phone booth fight in the back. That's right. Uh, Twitter and, uh, Snapchat. and Snapchat is phone booth fight. Phone booth fight. Instagram and Facebook phone booth fighting. Uh, subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, SoundCloud, or phoneboothfighting.com. Thanks for being with us. And uh, this has been phone booth fighting uh, from the Eddie Bravo Invitational at the Orpheum Theater. Everybody was kung fu. But they fought with